Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. From the Fifth Quarter Studios in Madison, Wisconsin, you're listening to Coach Unplugged. And now, your host, Steve Collins. Hey, everybody. Welcome, welcome to Coach Unplugged. So excited you decided to join us today. Um, Before we jump in and um, talk about uh, the topic today, I'll get it out. Um, I'm not. I'm leaving that in. Uh, I'd like to give a big shout out to our two sponsors. First of all, Dr. Dish, the number one shoe machine on the market, bar none. Uh, they are awesome. They rock. Uh, mention Coach Unplugged. They'll give you $350 off. Also, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. We have a, a special, quote unquote, special going on right now where we're giving quarterly memberships. We're su- super excited about that. People seem excited about it. Um, and then that maybe maybe come in and join for three months and take a couple of months off. I personally would never leave teachhoops.com, but you have that option and uh, it's great. So go over and check it out, teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. Let's head off to the podcast. Yeah, talk through some drills. So we'll actually use this because this has our, our fundamental drills that you'll see in a lot of our practices. So five minutes shooting, I'll kind of bring up my whiteboard real quick. Okay. Very basic. You put five minutes on the clock. You get two balls every other and pretty much the first five minutes starts on the clock, comes around, guard comes around, gets a pass, makes a layup. Then the guard leaves the, the below the block, gets a pass from the next person, layup, rebound, and you continue to do that in the line for 30 seconds. Now, when the clock shows four minutes and 30 seconds, the whole line takes a step back, and now it's bank shots from the, uh, from the block. They're basically curling. We do this kind of as a warm-up drill. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah like and then up. what's different about this is they have to hit a goal. So then it becomes in between the uh, elbow and the block, which which we call our mid-range. Then we get to our elbow shots, and then we get to our three-pointers. And then when you get to two minutes and 30 seconds, and that's kind of your halfway point, instead of asking them to you know move back down the way they came, they've got to then take the whole drill and drag it down to this side of the court all at one time. Ooh, I like so then that. they work their way back in from the three-point line, back to elbow, back to mid-range, to bank shot, to layup. And what you'll find is the better teams 
don't catch energy only at the end when they see they have 80 and if they make all 20 layups they can get 100 you know they'll have that energy early on in the uh in the practice early on in the drill where the first 30 seconds they're trying to get 26 made layups in 30 seconds okay so how that's many, our five minute many, shooting how many how many you try to get so our goal at the beginning of the season we set it at about 110 Okay. For us, and okay. this season, I think the highest we got was one twenty-eight. And you change that. You change that as you see that they can reach specific goals. Yeah. Yeah, and you can see yourself like our team. We in from the previous coach to myself, like this year, we scored significantly more points per game. But you could see it develop over the course of the season in the drill. Like we were hitting ninety to hundred in the first month, and then this becomes so, you know, becomes such a ritual that, you know, come, you know, December, we're making 115 a, a practice, which is, and we'll, and we'll restart it if we have to once or twice, just to make sure that we get good reps out of it. But we always say the same thing, sprint to the spot, take your time on the shot, sprint to your spot, take your time on the, on the shot. Well, I love and that's that. our, <laughs> that's our emphasis on, uh, on that. So then to kind of walk you through one of the tougher drills that we do, um, which is our, I stole it from coach Mitch Oliver at Albertus, the men's coach. Um, so this is called, um, we call it Albertus transition. because That's where I stole it from. So your yellow group over here, you take a group of five and those are your offensive team and you stick them at the half court and you as a coach stand on the sideline with a ball. Okay. Then you take your defensive team in blue, put them across the foul line extended and you put eight seconds on your, on your clock. Now, when I hit the go on the clock or when our manager hits go, the eight seconds begin to tick down. Everybody who's standing on the foul line extended has to run to the baseline as a team, touch the opposite baseline with two hands, and then come back. Now, it doesn't matter when that eight second expires. Whenever that eight seconds expires, the coach passes the ball to somebody at the half court, and they can take off in transition regardless of where their defenders are in the sprint back to the cross half court. And what you'll find is the first time you do the drill, everybody will sprint down and, you know, halfway down the court on their way back up, they see they got three seconds. So they'll start yelling out, Oh, I, I got, I got so-and-so I, I got her. Yeah. I got her, but that never works once you've done the drill three or four times because you're exhausted. So two girls might be getting back and need to pick up different people. So what I've learned is, you know, so they got to they got to move because they're going from free throw line to the other baseline and then trying to get to the half court. So they're going, you know, over a full length of. I mean, yeah, that's crazy. Um, yeah, it, it has a lot of intensity to move. it, but if it, it forces yeah. them to talk about like pick up ball first, you know, one of the things actually that I I was lucky enough we were talking about it yesterday, and I'm sure that I'm going to use it now is the Milwaukee Bucks do this thing called find most dangerous which is what they call FMD, FMD. So who is that person? So once you pick up the ball, your next job is to pick, you know, f- you know, pick up your find most dangerous. So who's the most dangerous player on the floor that's not guarded. And then for us, obviously, you know, most coaches will say, you know, last person back, go pick up something on the weak side so that you can, uh, you can cover the ball. You can cover it. If the and the, I skipped. think for high school coaches or youth coaches, that's probably even bigger because, you know, in the NBA, there's more <laughs> are dangerous as you move down it's like stop ball and then find their find their guy or gal like there's usually one on the court that's going to kill you yeah i love that so 
those are like two of the drills that are staples of what we do. Cause I kind of talked about transition defense yep. and offense. And I talked about shooting, you know, I have a ton of other drills. The, the other one that I brought to share with you was, um, so we like to do a lot of live situational stuff early on in the season. Okay. And, um, I, I brought four examples. I'm going to bring them up. These are what okay. we call, and I'll, I'll walk you through them, but these are what we call our, our live cards. So there's a stack of index cards on the table every practice. Um, and every, there's about a hundred of them. And every index card has a different situation written on it. Time remaining, quarter, timeouts, fouls. My stack's about this, of, my stack's about this big. It's crazy. I don't want to know what's in the stack too. Yeah. <laughs> so we take that and we, at the end of practice, depending on how much time we dedicate to live scenarios outside of our regular live work, I'll say to one of the players, please pick a live card. So they'll pick it and they'll read it out. So for this one, you have blue team 61, white score 60. There's one minute left in the one, – one minute 30 left in the fourth quarter. You know, white's down one. They got two 30s. They're in a man-to-man full-court press with one foul to give, and they're inbounding the ball. Right. Blue, who's up one, has no timeouts. They're in a man-to-man half, and they have no fouls to give. And then we put that situation up on the scoreboard, and we play it out. Yeah, we'll do and we'll do also we'll we'll even add the things that coach has on here. We'll 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 say whether there's bonus or or not bonus. We'll talk about um on our cards we actually have who's in foul trouble, who's not in foul trouble. You can make these cards as specific as you want. What I tell and it's fun. I have them I have a bunch that are typed up, but coach coaches has written out minor on index cards. Because when my kids were little, I was just basically, that's what I would just sit there when I was waiting at gymnastics class and I would just write out different examples. And that's how, that's how I got my cards. It's like everyone wastes time. Shoot. Half of us are wasting time watching Netflix. So when you're sitting there, you can make these cards up. You all know different situations. Um, But I love that. Yeah. So we actually, so you make a great point. And so I just think a different one. So just a more unique card, obviously, because the rest of them are similar to end of games, but this is one that we use situ- situationally, which is our time remaining. And this is second quarter. So there's six minutes left in the second quarter. And this index card shows that blue is up by 11 with two timeouts left man to man. They're in the bonus and uh, they're pressing in a one, two, two, three quarter while white is down 11 with one thirty and a man to man, three fouls to give. And they've been pressing full court man to man. And so we don't, Sometimes we'll coach, but a lot of times we ask the teams to coach themselves through the scenario. So we'll tell them if they, if you draw this card, you know, they'll say to me, well, what are we supposed to do coach? We're supposed to play three quarters. No, I want you to cut this game to a four point game at the end of the second quarter. So I want to be within four. It doesn't matter to me whether it's 32, 28 or it's 42, 30, you know, 42, 38, just keep this, get this game to a four point game in six minutes. So they'll focus on that goal, which will change up a little bit of that whole end of game competitive edge versus the we've got to have the mentality that we can come back from anything. And we'll be able to refer to this in timeouts. You know, we'll be in a game down 12 and I'll say, listen, we have been practicing cutting leads in four minute segments. This is exactly what you need to do now. You coach yourselves to do it by yourself without my help. Now I'm here to help you. You know, let's get it done and try and cut this down. So, so that's couple, kind of a couple things. You have a blue and a white. Are one of them like your starting group or non-starting group? 
And usually white is our starters. Okay. And do you ever have white do stuff that you're not going to normally do? Like, let's say you're a man team and they're all of a sudden in a zone. I mean, are you putting things in your cards that only you do? Or are you putting... That's an interesting question. I think a lot of the stuff that you'll see is stuff that we do, but we do have cards in there that'll ask them to like get into a 3-2 just because I want to challenge them to try and figure out new things by themselves. So there are some cards in there that'll... There that'll you know they're in a one two one one which we never run and they and you know their response will be like what are we supposed to do with this <laughs> right. and it's more of just I'm not looking for you to be perfect you know or as good as you are in some of the other situations I'm looking for you guys to navigate through this together because okay. situationally maybe and maybe you'll learn something about your team maybe they'll just really play a three two well together and coach themselves through it and you you kind of get to see the more more vocal okay. leaders in that process so. Okay. You know, as for drills and, and that kind of stuff, that's, you know, that's kind of some of the stuff we do. And I, I figured I would bring here to share. Oh, I love today. that. I love that. Um, and then just one last thing. We yep. do uh, we do two drills. One, I think everybody does perfect defense, which is we put 30 seconds on the shot clock. Obviously, any mistake, not fouls necessarily. It's more did someone beat you to the lane where you one pass away, you know, the whistles go off very quickly. You've got to legitimately be perfect. So okay. whatever your principles are as a defensive team, you know, no, no lane penetration, you know, fronting the post, you know, if someone doesn't do that for a split second, you reset the shot clock to 30. And then um, the other thing we do is we do this. It's a very relaxed, but it's called pressure free throws where we stick them. We stick the whole team on the free throw line uh, on the baseline or around the free throw line. And I tell them that you're up five with, you know, six free throws to go. And if you make a free throw, it's a plus one. If you miss a free throw, it's minus one. And everybody's got to go through and or however many shots I allow them to take. So I'll say it's a tie game, guys. Everybody's got to take two free throws. Tie game. If you lose, we're going up and back. And if right. you make it. You go up a point, miss it. That. Now your team is losing. So we do that a lot. And when do you do that in practice? When do you do that in practice? You do it at the end. Do you do it? When do you do that? We'll either. We'll most of the time, to be honest with you, we'll do it towards the end of practice. But we will do it if we're losing focus to regain the team to like lock in and say, "Hey, quick pressure free throws. Let's go. We're down by five. You know, so, everybody's so, getting two. So shots. that's a good thing. Do you do you have any tidbits for refocusing your team? I love that question. That's a that just popped in my head. I love that. Do you have anything that you specifically yeah, do? Um, we have a couple things that we do to refocus. We um, I give in my practice. I give my captains two timeouts, so they're allowed two timeouts of practice. So if they feel like things are going south before I start to you know feel like they are. They can call a timeout. Coaches have to step off the court. It's their court for 60 seconds or 30 seconds, depending on what they want. And uh, we'll let them talk it over. And, you know, that's just something that I've done to kind of build camaraderie. I'm sure it's not original, but I know that it, for us, no, it's I mean, certainly. I, I've started, here's what I've started to do just, and I don't do this every day, but I actually run practice like a game. So we have a pregame, you know, how you have pregame warm-up. You have a pregame. We play halves in Wisconsin. So I have a first half. Then I have a halftime where it's more like, what do you do at halftime? It's more cerebral. You're talking about it. Get a water break. Then we do the second half, and then we do post game. And during that practice, which I run like in, in, in the first half, I'll work on stuff that we're, you know, we'll work on offense and defense, whatever. But 
I give them five timeouts. I give them three fulls and two, two, uh, and two, uh, three full. Yeah. And two thirties. And then they can use them whatever they want. Um, yeah, I love that. And it it works. It works. It's like, it it breaks up the monotony of practice a little bit sometimes. Um, And sometimes I'll even have them run out and do our, you know, our warm up we do before a game. It's like, we're going to have practice today, but here's how we're going to do it. It's just a unique way to kind of like, what is coach crazy? It's like, well, no, we're still going to do the same stuff. It's just how we're breaking it up. You know, it's like giving them a little different twist, but I love the timeout thing. You got to be creative. You know, I think that in college basketball season, especially it's almost five months on the court, four months on the court. So you got you got to be creative in higher ways. I mean, you know, we don't, we've got a ton of different things that we've done over the course of time that I've seen other coaches do um, different, you know, refocus things, competitive things, you know, or whether it's something like lighthearted, but we certainly do a lot to, to re-engage, you know, because there's a lot to learn every day. It's, you know, oh, it's crazy. And as a team. Um, all right. Anything else? I have a bunch of questions for you too. So if you have um, no, that, I mean, that pretty much covers what our, you know, basic, you know, everything looks like pretty much. Um, I, I'm, I'm happy to, you know, uh, answer some questions for sure. Okay. So, so what do you think the biggest change you've seen in the game is? In, in the game? Yeah. Well, I think or with, that. Or with players. Doesn't matter. I think that the biggest change in the game that I've seen over the course of my career is I think that the, and I think everybody will say this, so I'm not going to touch on how the generation is different and how the kids are different. I think that's an easy one. Yeah. I think the use of perimeter play and the focus on perimeter play has certainly become bigger. And for different coaches, that style of play is great. I, but I think that at the, at the high school levels where, it's, where you don't have a, necessarily not every coach has a strategy, you'll see some players who will come into our gym and their coaches let them jack up threes and they're not even a 20% shooter. Right. And I'm like, well, what do you, you just took that shot eight times in practice. You haven't made one. Well, you know, that's coach tells me to shoot it all the time. Well, coach isn't here anymore. Right. You need to go to the basket. And I think that whole, I think the good coaches always preach it, but the whole shoot your way out. Like that's what I tell my kids. If you're in a slump, shoot your way out, right. go to the rack, get a layup. Can't get a layup, get a foul, hold the ball at the foul line for a couple seconds. Enjoy that feeling of having the basketball, take a free throw take another one, get a little rhythm to what you're doing. So I think the perimeter game at the lower levels has become like high school and, and middle school has become like, you know, just jack them up. And I think that that has affected some players coming in who maybe they're hoisting shots up from their waist or their, you know, their shot form is. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price. Priceline. They haven't nailed down the mid-range or, or don't even have a left hand, but they can shoot free throws. Right. Shoot free. Well, yeah, and the loss of the mid-range. I think the, I think the loss of the mid-range is going to swing back, to be honest with you. I tell my son, I said, there's, that's a, everyone's going to the rim and everyone's shooting threes. I said, if you get a mid-range, you will get open shots because people are giving those. I mean, but it has to be like you're shooting a layup. I mean, it has to be like you're hitting it 60% of the time. But if you work on that part of the game, it's just lost. It's like 
you know, when you watch like the last dance with Michael Jordan, he's shooting mid-rangers a lot. And he's, you, you know what he's doing? He, watch, watch. I went back and watched some of his old games. He used the backboard a lot. Yeah. A hundred percent. A lot. I mean, and I tell my, I tell my point guard all the time, like watch Mike Bibby. I made a living from mid-range, hitting mid-range shots as a point guard. And I know that right now it's, you know, a little bit of lost art. I know that some of our guards will come in and they'll, they'll take like a 12 foot floater or something ridiculous. And I'm like, why, why not just pull up and shoot the mid range? And it's because they're not comfortable with the shot. So we, that's why in our five minute shooting and in a lot of our shooting drills, we'll take one dribble, pull up two dribble, pull up, you know, that mid range shot, because that, in, in my opinion, that, that is a huge part of the game. It is. If you could do one offense or one defense, what would you do? Well, I mean, I've always kind of been the same coach my whole time. So offensively, we're a uh, we're a ball screen offense team, and uh, defensively, we have always been you know a man to man. That's just kind of how I am. Okay. Um, so. What's your what's how do you defend ball screens? So I like to tell my players that whatever we're doing, we're doing it as a team. A lot of them like to debate. Well, I could have gotten over. I could have gotten under. So we pretty much do the same thing. We're, we're going over as much as we possibly can. Obviously, if it's a really great shooter, you know, we're trying to lock and trail. And then on the other end, if um, depending on the situation who we're playing, we'll try. I've been trying to teach icing the ball screens, at, you know, because I'm getting higher level players right now. So icing is not easy and it certainly leaves a lot up for error, but, I have some very athletic guards and posts um, that can do that sort of thing. So we have been icing, icing those screens a little bit, which has helped us, you know, prevent getting switched into all sorts of bad situations. Yeah. And the switch isn't as big a deal at the high school level. I don't think it's right. first of all, cause half of them can't post pass. Um, so it right. doesn't really matter. Uh, so you're sitting in a gym in July watching a uh, summer AU tournament with 8 billion kids. First of all, I don't know how you guys do it, to be honest with you, because everyone can pick out the top kid, like, like in tryouts. I can pick out the top kid. Michael Jordan walks in. I can pick out him. I can even pick out the top 10 kids. But after that, it seems like noise to me, like because you're not getting the top kid because the top kid's getting a D2 or D1 offer probably. Right. So – you have to you have to work your way down. That's what I don't know how you do it. It's like it looks like all those seven kids all look the same. So my question it to you is, what do you look for in a recruit? Well, I think there's a few things. Like generically, what do we look for? Generically, I want to see how do you interact with your teammates. You know, someone always told me watch how they interact with their parents. If they'll talk to their parents one way, you won't be surprised if they talk to you that way in practice when they come play for you. You know, what is their body language like in warm-ups? You know, is, are their headphones off and they're warming up with the team or do they have AirPods on or Beats on and they're, they're warming up with their team but they can't hear anything going on around them? You know, do they jog into timeouts? All that kind of stuff. Body language is extremely important for us. And, you know, do they – how many possessions do they take off? Now, I'm always curious to watch, like, is she just going to take off this possession and, and not get back because she needs a break or is she going to, you know, get a sub, come back and not take off any possessions? So those are – you know, some of the, the fundamental basic things. But when I, when I really look specifically, I'm looking to see defensively, can you keep your position in front? Like if I bring you in, can you guard, you know, one, two, three in my league, if that's your position or, or if you're a post, can you guard four and five? So I watch that very carefully. Can you keep the ball in front of you? You know, can you, are you able to 
obviously, like we just talked about, are you able to switch screens? Are you able to go under? Do you fight over? You know, do you recognize, you know, the type of player you're playing against and, and learn from your mistakes? So, okay, you, you go under and she steps back and hits a three two times on you. So what should your next move be? It probably should not be to drop under the screen. So I look for that IQ stuff. And then I also am very careful about – I don't think you need to have the perfect shot form. A lot of coaches will tell you if it's, if it's not broke, don't fix it. I, everybody shoots the ball different Jamal way. Jamal Wilkes used to shoot this way. But the, the perfect – here's what I tell – this is the math teacher in me. The perfect form will allow you to take less shots to perfect it. The bad right. form is just going to take you more time. I mean, you got the worst form in the world. If you sit and shoot eight hours a day for – seven years you're going to be able to shoot but right. it's going to take you longer so form is I, like my son I, I i said this in a podcast when he was younger he had a little dip you know he'd get the ball he'd dip and then he'd shoot well you know i left it because he wasn't strong enough and then i think it was between his freshman and sophomore year it's like all right we got to break this whole thing down because you're just not gonna be able to get the shot off at the next level because right. you're just giving the defense too much time so we had to tweak it but it wasn't like I didn't like elbow has to be like, I don't care if his elbow's out a little bit. You know, all that stuff. I think people worry about that too much sometimes. Yeah. I mean, we can correct a lot of it in practice right. on a shooting right. machine and a right. shooting drill, and we can change some of the stuff, you know, backspin on the ball or shot yeah. arc. We can be yeah. as specific as we want. So I'm just looking to see can, you know, can you get a shot up? You know, are you taking smart shots? And, and can you defend to your position? I think I'm telling you that is that is the difference between a really good D three player and a D one player. Like the D one player, like you know, you better be able to keep. You got to be able to defend. It's like the NBA. You got to. I got to be able to defend. You got to. I got to be able to defend you. Like I got to be able to stop you. Yes, we got to do help side. We got. We got to do our man defensive. I mean, shoot, I'm in Wisconsin. Everyone knows pack line. Shoot, right. it, it originated here with the Bennett's and then Bo Ryan. So don't worry about pack line. So, but you better be able to keep that person in front of you. And that, I think that's what parents don't really understand sometimes too. Your, your son or daughter is really good, but they can't defend at that level. If they, they can't defend at that level, they can't play because you're not going to gimmick coach K ain't going to gimmick Roy Williams. They're not going to gimmick each other. <laughs> right. You know, always trying to find a way, you know, we're all coaches are always running, you know, whether it's complex or simple offenses to kind of try and ways to free up their better players. So you need to be able to find a way to read situations and and lock down to be able to be an effective player at the next level. And then I think consistency, that is a big deal for me. Are you consistent? It comes in a lot of layers. Are you a consistent shooter or can you be a consistent shooter? Are you a consistent defender? Are you consistent in your hustle? Because I always tell my kids, if you're inconsistent, number one, it's bad habits and inconsistency leads to those bad habits. But also it's an indicator that you've got a lot of work to do to, you know, break those things and become a better player. Like my point guard shooting, you know, 20% is not consistent enough. She's got to be a higher percentage shooter. And, you know, we work on that and she's done an excellent job of fixing that scenario and improving. And, you know, I'm not asking a kid to come in as a 40%, you know, in the post. No, not by all means, not, a, you know, not where right. we are, but I am asking them to that to be a goal of theirs to work on being more consistent. So. And I don't know if you agree with this, but I think everybody can be a shooter. I'm not sure everyone can be a scorer. Like everyone can get out. You can get on a machine and you can become a shooter. Like if you take enough shots, you can become a shooter. 
it doesn't mean you're going to get the shot off. It doesn't mean that you're going to be able to be a scorer. Um, but most kids can become shooters if they put the time in, in my opinion, especially with the yeah. machine right now. I think, I think kids can learn how to shoot better. I think they can improve their shooting, but I think when it comes down to it, you know, the better shooters with the quick release and the form, those are really who are the ones that rise above and, and are consistent. Oh, they, and they're unique. They are definitely unique. Yeah. Uh, so what's, what do you consider your strengths and your weaknesses as a coach? I think strengths as a coach, you know, one of the things is organization and, you know, attention to detail. You know, I watch a lot of film on ourselves. I watch a lot of film on our opponents more so on ourselves just because we're at the junior college level and I need to understand what I can do to perfect our players and everything like that. But I also do like to watch a lot of other films to prepare us to win. Um, and I think, you know, offensively, I've always been a great offensive coach um, in teaching kind of how to improve your offense. And like I spoke about consistency um, areas that I'd like to improve. Um, I've always been a pressing guy. So you know, during this quarantine, I have spent, hours and hours and hours on you know working with different coaches at different levels on specific presses that I've run um I've also I'm a big ball screen offense guy um so I spent time working with some of the coaches at different what divisions pre what presses so I'm big on uh one two two uh two two one um those are the two that I like to see um and at least I find as a stall or fall back the man then we do. We do both. We'll fall back to man or depending on who we're playing, we'll, you know, we'll, if we have to, we'll go into a zone, a matchup zone or something like that. So are you, are you, are your players tend to be long and athletic? I wouldn't say long. We didn't have any height our first year. So, uh, but our, we have very aggressive and athletic defenders. Have so you the one, three, one. We, we do, but I, it leaves too much open in the corner. And in our league, you've got some very, very, very talented shooters who, you know, will just make you pay too quickly. So, and I don't like, you know, with our limited height, I try not to isolate. Yeah, you got to you gotta have a little, you got to have a little length. Hey, everybody, hope you enjoyed it. Make sure you subscribe, like, jump up and down, review, do whatever you got to do. Um, also, go over and check out teachhoops.com for coaches who want to get better. Have a great Sports Social Podcast Network. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere and each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.